0: In order to qualify for commissions each month, AdvoCare distributors must achieve a certain amount of sales volume, a mandate that drives some members to purchase products for the sake of meeting the quota. Lori Crosson wasn't bringing on new recruits, but she kept buying products, goaded by the people above her in the organization. They said, you got to spend money to make money, she says. She bought AdvoCare-issued magazines. She listened to pre-recorded calls, trying to glean tips from her superiors. At one point, she clicked on a training video that offered scripts for inviting people to mixers. One line jumped out. It said, I've been thinking about you and you've been heavy on my heart. She pauses. That was used on me. According to a 2004 survey conducted by the FTC, victims of pyramid schemes are less likely to complain than victims of any other type of fraud. Mid-level marketing supporters say few grievances about the company's surface because they are doing nothing wrong. Critics counter that discretion is baked into the business model. When people join these companies, they're often recruited by family or friends, and they go on to enlist others who are close to them. As a result, if they renounce the business, they're either renouncing their loved ones or admitting that they exploited them. Former AdvoCare members say loyalty keeps distributors silent, but so does shame, because people who struggle are told over and over that they simply aren't trying hard enough. If you can't make money, they blame you, Crossan says. She remembers one of the mantras that was drilled into her, that they said, you can't do the minimum and expect the maximum. Congratulations, Villainville Wildcats, 2018 Advocate Invitational Champions. <laughs> pretty good.
1: Double bonus the rest of the way. Double bonus as well. That's right, two free throws. Both teams will be on the double bonus, so we'll have two the rest of the way welcome to episode six of the double bonus podcast i'm tom borsi along with brendan Rocher shedding light on all sorts of different aspects of basketball sponsors this time advocare is taken down we went from a paladin's education to an advocare education uh, so brendan how are you how was your quote-unquote feast week and your thanksgiving
0: Oh, I, I had a good feast week. I feasted on a lot of food and a lot of college basketball. I, uh, I did a turkey trot despite it being 18 with a four, four degrees wind chill, although wind chill being kind of a made-up statistic. Um, and uh, I finished 19th um, despite having a slower time than two years ago. I finished 28th. A lot of uh, people dropped out probably because they didn't want to face the cold. Uh, oh. I do want to give credit to uh, Mina Kimes for that uh, excerpt from her ESPN the Magazine story from March of 2016. The story uh, is about uh, how many athletes are promoters of Advocare, and the the title is Drew Brees is a Dream. he he like he liked to sell you. So if you want to read that whole article, uh, Google that, uh, Mina Kimes, ESPN, the magazine, Advocare story. Cool. How well, was your break?
1: It was good. How far was your race? How long was it?
0: It was a 5K. Um okay. It was, a, it was a different course than the usual one they've done. It was strict out and back, uh, a little windy. After about a half mile in, my pinkies were felt They're going to fall off. But then, you know, blood started flowing. And, you know, I didn't vomit uh, at the end. I just dry-heated a little bit. So it's a successful race, I guess. <laughs> that's uh, always win.
1: Yeah. And you have all ten fingers.
0: Yes, uh, all ten fingers. Um, I, have, I have no quip there, so we can move on.
1: Okay. So <laughs> let's move on. Big week of college basketball. A little huge. bit different, yeah, huge. A little bit different schedule than the past. Um, the Maui final was at five o'clock on mm-hmm. Wednesday, which apparently was to accommodate LeBron James' return to Cleveland in uh, on that Wednesday We're Talking night. about Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Gonzaga Duke. Why don't we start there? Gonzaga moved up to the number one ranking after beating Duke on Wednesday in Maui. What What do you think of that game? Uh, the pre- people were talking about Duke going unbeaten, and now Gonzaga may have a better chance of going unbeaten than Duke ever did.
0: Yeah, oh, or even Nevada, which we're not going to talk about during this segment. But, um, you know, I came from uh, going to the Proclamation Microbrew in Warwick, Rhode Island, after I had a few beers, shared some beers with my, with my dad and my wife. Uh, I came home. And uh, watch most of the game. It was it was a weird time, but I kind of like it rather than the 10:30 time. At least when you're off work, it's not that big a deal. Um, in terms of the game itself, Gonzaga came out red hot, hitting on all cylinders offensively. Um, Rui Hachimura was pretty much unguardable. Uh, they got really good play from some some lesser known players. Um, you know, obviously Zach Norvell is not that lesser known, but he had a, another big game. Josh Perkins was really solid. He's not a guy that I've always been in love with. He, he's a low-possession player, but um, you know seven assists and two turnovers in the game and made a couple big shots, especially uh, there was one near the end of the first half that he hit that was a big one. Uh, Brandon Clark was kind of a revelation for those of us who might have known him as well, a transfer from San Jose State, very athletic, was able to guard um, Zion Williamson and then the, the bigs that Duke ran out there, at the five. And, um, and we saw Corey Kispert and Philip Petrovic also. Sorry, Petrasev, who I thought were uh, terrific off the bench. Gino Crandall, the another transfer. Yeah, he went to South Dakota, I think. Let me double-check that. He went to uh, North Dakota. He was not as impressive off the bench, and they definitely played better when he was not on the floor. Uh, the key to me in this game was uh, Duke playing uh, too much Marcus Bolden. Bolden had such a big game previously against Auburn, like a career game. But he was exposed at the five spot. They kept bringing him into pick and rolls, and he didn't know how to defend them. They played much better when Javon Delorier was in. Bolden was sat for about the last 16 minutes of the game, which is when Duke made its run. And then on the stretch, we saw R.J. Barrett um, basically hold on to the ball and take a lot of contested shots. That, that didn't work out because of Gonzaga's surprising rim protection with Hachimura and
1: Clark. What do you see? Yeah, I saw a lot of missed shots at the end. Obviously, Gonzaga opened up a huge lead in this game. Um, they led by as many as 61 45 and just at the right around the under 16 timeout of the second half. Um, but then Duke made a furious comeback and tied the game before missing basically every shot in the paint. The last minute, 15 seconds, Barrett missed a ton of shots, missed a three. They had a lot of offensive rebounds and they kept, which you more a big block, two blocks down the stretch. They were blocked. They had three block shots, uh, Gonzaga in the final 115. So Duke, you know, obviously spent a lot of energy to get back there, but credit to Gonzaga for taking this team down. Remember, without Killian Tilly, who's dealing with that ankle stress fracture, um, everyone really thought Duke would be, prematurely, obviously, t- thought there would be, you know, a chance to go undefeated. That obviously was probably never going to happen. But uh, Gonzaga's really good, and they showed it um, <clears throat> against Duke. And we'll see how these players gel. Obviously, people like Trey Jones as a point guard. He's really good. But Barrett and Zion Williamson, uh, how well they're going to coexist. Because Barrett did not have a great game uh, for Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, did he, what did he finish? He finished uh, eight of you know, 9 of 25, including 8 of 21 from 2, which is not going to get it done. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um... He needs to find his teammates more. The one thing that I liked about Duke that I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, I mean, there's a lot, a lot to like, but is that they tended to move the ball quite well. But in this game, they only had nine assists. Um, the ball stuck a little bit with Barrett in particular. Uh, I think the stat is that he's attempt—he's missed 74 field goal attempts this uh, season, and Williamson has attempted 75 field goal attempts this season. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I, I still think that this Duke team is is well ahead of where they've been in the last couple of years with a lot of freshmen. Um, I don't think there's a lot of reason to concern for concern. They're still playing seven guys and presumably more. Alex O'Connell only played three minutes, but he could get more run in other types of games. Um, and I do caution that you know Killian Tilly was one of the best players on Gonzaga, their leading returning scorer. I'm not sure that Tilly would fit in this rotation quite as well as what they were able to do. You know, Hachimura, Tilly, and Clark can't really play together. And so one of them would need to sit. And in this game, Clark or, played 23 minutes. Hachimura played 37, which allowed them to put, um, you know, guys like Jeremy Jones and Kispert and Petrosev at the at the big spots. And most of those guys can hit three. So, I mean, obviously, they'd be better with Tilly. They'd have more options, especially if foul trouble came. And, you know, Clark did have four fouls, and so did Hachimura. Um, but I'm not sure that they— that a, a killian tilly lineup with either hachimura or clark is actually better right now than um down the stretch than a clark and, and hachimura lineup
1: definitely and obviously duke allowed a lot of points in that game but a lot of that could be over 1.2 points per possession for gonzaga but a lot of that can be written off to just hot shooting for gonzaga 10 of 19 from three so i don't think we should be really that concerned about duke's defense but who knows? Obviously, their offense is going to be the strength of that team, but their defense should be pretty good as they move yeah. forward here.
0: Yeah, I've gone from being maybe low man on Duke's uh, on Duke a few weeks ago to now being one of the high people now that they've lost. Uh, people tend to... Uh, I, I think I've stayed kind of in the middle. while People have gone to either extreme. Um, I did want to mention also at Maui... Um, Xavier played Illinois in the seventh-place game, which some of you might not have watched. It was in the, the traditional spot of the... I guess it was actually in the spot of the... It used to be the third-place game or the fifth-place game. It wasn't the championship spot. But um, I admit to not staying up late a lot of Thursday nights to listen to Bill Walton with Dave Pash um, <laughs> on broadcast and you know Pac-12 after dark, whatever they call it. But uh, he was like... I would say he's in rare form, but it's probably just how he is. He's just he just was saying ridiculous things and it was fun and interesting. But if I were a team, if I were like Illinois fan, I'd be really annoyed. Uh, f- for instance, Kipper Nichols. he um, he was at the foul line. And Bill Walton was was saying, you know, I keep hearing about this Kipper Nichols. I'm looking for him. Who is he? And the and the play-by-play guy was like, he's at the line right now. And he's like, uh, and he said, congratulations, Kipper Nichols, as if it was, <laughs> as if he was like praising Nichols for actually being identified by Bill Walton. It was just, it was a very weird experience uh, on on a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. But uh, anyway,
1: yeah. Bill Walton. Well, he's known for saying things. Who was his uh, play-by-play guy that night? I don't know who it
0: was um and i know that's a, a that's a cardinal sin for someone like you who likes to keep track of all of the uh no, parents it wasn't it Pash wasn't dan shulman it wasn't dave Pash. um it right. was someone else that i don't think he's works with as much who was trying to figure out a way to like jive with him and you know it was fine it was fun as like a neutral observer but um i can imagine that if that if i were like especially an illinois fan because they were they were losing he spent half the game talking about how great the game was and it was kind of <laughs> tongue-in-cheek um, like every single play be like, Oh man, what a, you know, what a pass. This is incredible. This is the best day of my life. I think he said at one point, um, I don't know. It is, it was, it was a, it's a strange, wild, wacky experience. Uh, when Bill Walton's in Hawaii uh, announcing the seven place game, in the Mali Invitational.
1: Oh, so just to go back to Gonzaga for a second, unless you think they have a decent shot of going unbeaten? They don't. They have in the next five games. They have North Dakota state at home, uh, tonight actually. They will win that game probably then they're a true road game at Creighton then they're home to Washington neutral to Tennessee and a true road game at North Carolina so good luck there
0: they're definitely challenging themselves in the schedule and the, and the West yeah. Coast Conference is probably the best it's been in many years um with you know BYU St. Saint, uh, Saint Mary's had a rough loss the other day but it's still good San Francisco's a top 75 camp bomb team San Diego and Loyola and Marymount are both uh pretty good this year. In fact, Loyal Mary was going to come up. Loyola Marymount is going to come up in the conversation. Later, oh, yeah, up teaser. Yeah. Um, OK, so what else happened here? Well, we did our draft last week, just an update on that. We drafted four teams each from the three eight-team major tournaments that started after we recorded last Monday, which was the aforementioned Advocare Invitational, the Battle 4, Atlantis the number 4, and um, the, the Wooden Legacy. Um, which finished last night. So, if you you may recall that um, I drafted LSU, who finished fourth in ad, in the Advocare. Villanova finished first in the Advocare. It was a big uh, comeback uh, for them after the two losses they had to Furman and Michigan. I fin- I picked Virginia, finished first in Advocare, and Miami actually oh i i picked miami i thought you picked miami oh sorry another two two points for me sorry uh i picked miami who won the wooden legacy so i picked all three winners which means i won the pool or the the draft tom picked uh tom had good picks too he had the second place team in all three pools florida state wisconsin and seton hall as well as butler which lost its first game but then bounced back to win its next two any overriding thoughts from these three uh these three tournaments tom
1: Uh, Nice to see Villanova get back on track, I guess, for a Big East fan. They played for Florida State with who was without or which was without Phil So, But it's good to get them back on track uh, for their sake. Um, Seton Hall looked pretty decent in um, their little tournament out there. And Virginia looks very good. We'll talk about them with the ACC Big Ten Challenge. But (laughs) they were very impressive as well. So good. Uh, for, good for teams in the latter half of the alphabet in those tournaments.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, my thoughts in watching some of these games were... Um, I'm going to start with Northwestern, actually, my alma mater. They, they were terrible against Fresno State. Embarrassing. Fresno State pressured them all over the floor. Northwestern's point guard play was poor, and Northwestern lost that game. Fresno State went on to barely lose to Miami... Um, and then beat Hawaii. Northwestern actually had two blowout wins then over LaSalle and Utah, so they they played much better against Utah, and they're looking actually kind of interesting. Um, Seton Hall got great play from Miles Powell, Michael Enzi. Um, You know, they had early season struggles with a blowout loss at Nebraska and then a home loss to St. Louis, but that was clearly a bounce back, getting wins, especially the win over Miami, which had been undefeated. Um, And then in Avoc Villanova blew out his first two opponents, Canisius, and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was picked, I think, last in the Big 12. But then in the in the in their third place game, they blew out an, a good LSU team. Um, and then Villanova, in a, kind of an ugly game, knocked off Florida State in the final. They got good play from Demir Cosby, Roundtree, and um, Colin Gillespie. Uh, Eric Paschal and Phil Booth had kind of um, mixed performances. Uh, Sadiq Bay uh, played pretty well and played a lot like 30 plus minutes 32 um, minutes yeah yeah and we didn't see Javon Quinnerly at all um interesting this weekend two former top 40 point guards in the Big East and this is a conference the Big East has, has a lot of good players but it's not built around like kind of one and done four and five star players last year Makai Ashton Langford was a four-star decommit from UConn who committed to Providence a top 40 recruit this year Javon Quinnerly, a top 30 recruit decommitted from Arizona uh, I'm not sure he's officially committed there, but he definitely backed off of Arizona with the um, the FBI investigations and committed to Villanova. And then this weekend we see on Saturday I was at the Providence-Iona game where the Friars beat Iona and Mekhi Ashton-Lankford did not play a minute. And then on Sunday, Villanova won the advocate invitational in the State and Javon Quinterly did not play a minute. So it's uh, it's interesting to see how that will track. I, I think there's a lot of speculation that Makai Ashton-Lankford will transfer after this year. And for Javon Quinnerly, who might have been a one-and-done, uh, you know, he. we'll see what happens. I, I think it'll bet he'll bounce back and he'll start playing more, but right now he's clearly not trusted by uh, Jay Wright.
1: Definitely not. So Villanova shot 40.1% from three last year. What do you think they're shooting through six games this year from three? I'm going to go with uh, 29.8. 32.9%. Uh, okay, so... I, I undershot it. <clears throat> yeah i mean have i pascal's 20... struggling yeah pascal is 10 of 35 booth is 16 of 47 and sadiq pay is actually 9 of 23 and Cremo is 10 of 22. so they have room to improve and of course they were like that two years ago i think where they were just they weren't shooting that many threes and they were shooting them poorly but then they they got better and they started, started shooting more threes and shot better before losing to wisconsin was it Wisconsin two years ago? Is that right? It was
0: at, they did lose to Wisconsin. The year you're thinking of is actually the year they won the national title the first time. Oh really okay. they were about two thirds of the way through the season, maybe like two hundred and fiftieth in the country in three point shooting, despite the fact that they had um, you know, Chris Jenkins and they had Eric Pascal. Um, actually I'm not sure they had Pascal. I don't think they had Pascal that year. But they had um, they had Chris Jenkins and they had Um, Mikhail Bridges and Josh Hart and Phil Booth and Jalen Brunson and they were still shooting very poorly at a high volume Um, but they just kept shooting and eventually they kind of they reduced their shooting a little bit And back to kind of like more moderate levels and then ramped it up during the NCAA tournament. Just kind of – they shut the lights out against Kansas in the Elite Eight. Um, And in in the final that year, actually, against North Carolina, they didn't shoot very many threes. Uh, People think of Villanova as like shooting the lights out against uh, North Carolina that game, in part because Booth had a great game and Jenkins had the game-winning three. But when you actually look at the box score – um in that 77-74 win they only actually attempted 14 three-pointers they made eight of them but they attempted 34 two-pointers and actually north carolina was 11 for 17 on threes and shot more of them joel berry four for that game well you
1: know. yeah uh, yeah it was jenkins just hit two of four no one hit more than two threes in that game arch had one two for three and booth two for two so yeah. yeah uh what else do you want to talk about you want to talk about kansas
0: yeah, why don't you talk about Kansas? I, I watched uh, most of the Kansas-Marquette game. I only watched like the first half of the Kansas-Tennessee game.
1: It was on late. Um, yeah,
0: I did watch the other, the, the Marquette-Louisville game. So why don't you talk about Kansas, and I can touch briefly
1: on Marquette-Louisville. Sure. ninety two. So Kansas played Marquette Wednesday in Brooklyn and started off, they were up 19-11 at one point, and by the time you got to the half, they were trailing 47-38, uh, to 38, which was not good. Uh, but then they they scored the last basket of the first half, and they scored the first 22 points of the second half. So they went on a 24-0 run between halves, which is kind of crazy. Marquette scored 47 points in the first half, then didn't score for the next the first 9-15 of the second half. And Kansas just has too many weapons. They're really deep this year. Um, and like when someone when someone's not on, they can just turn to LeGerald Vick to bail them out with a few quick threes. He hit them in the final against Tennessee. He saved them in the second half. He hit. Two or three big threes down the stretch to turn that game around. Um, Azubuki gets foul trouble or fouls out, uh, like he did in the championship game against Tennessee. No problem. They have people come off the bench. They had no um, Marcus Garrett in the final because of a concussion, but that was no problem for them. They still were able to play well, and their backcourt is, you know, kind of seeing what sticks right now with. Um, Dotson and Grimes and Charlie Moore, Bill Self's kind of rotating them through to see what happened. Dotson, Jay Bills was very high on him in the uh, championship game, especially in the first half on Friday. He looked pretty strong. And, of course, Diedrich Lawson was the best player for them in both games. And uh, he is very good. He's a nice four who can pass out of the post and do things. And Kansas has been relying on the three a lot more in the previous years. But this year they're not doing that as much. So LeGerald Vick's really their big shooter from outside. And I, I made fun of LeGerald Vick in the first podcast, but he's <laughs> really helped Kansas uh, this year, where he's going to go in the NBA draft. And he did not hire an agent, luckily for him, because he realized he wasn't going to get drafted. And then he came back basically to kind of hat in hand to Kansas to basically talk to Bill Self and get back in the rotation and play for them. So he's been really strong for them. And they beat two really good teams. Well, one good team and one really good team in Tennessee. Tennessee has Grant Williams, who's awesome. Admiral Schofield played very well. Grant Williams also fouled out of that game, which went to overtime. Uh, my friend texted me, he said, Never in doubt, Rick Barnes against Bill Self, come on. Which I think is a little harsh. But, of course, he's watched a lot of Big 12 Texas-Kansas games back in the day. So, (laughs) Kansas has built its nice little resume. They had two uh, cupcakes against Vermont and Louisiana, which were actually closer uh, than they should have been. I think they've trailed by... Two decent teams there, too. Those aren't terrible teams. Right. I think they've trailed by eight points in four of their five wins. The only one they didn't trail was against Michigan State when they basically led wire to wire. So they, they're no stranger to the comeback. So they're not, and people think basically that they're not clicked yet, which is kind of scary. Um, but they're deeper than they were. Um, last year, David McCormick's a McDonald's All-American coming off the bench and he has plays two minutes in these games. So they are, have an embarrassment of riches. So mm-hmm. I think they'll get better. And I think they played pretty well so far. Uh, and it was not, a, not an easy game against Tennessee, but they fought their way through it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a team that can beat you in a variety of ways um, in more ways than last year's team could because last year's team played basically four-round one with Azubuki at the five, and then when they couldn't, when Azubuki had to come out of the games, they either had to go with uh, a non-shooter uh, or non-scorer in Lightfoot at the five or they had to go very small, um, and that was a problem for them. Um, this year, they can do both. They can play without Azubuki and, therefore, um, kind of spread things out and, and stretch teams, or they can play with two bigs, Azuki and, and Lawson, um, and really give teams a lot of trouble, um, both offensively and defensively on the glass. Um, they, they might be the most complete team and along with Gonzaga, I'd say. They have experience, they have shooting, they have the defense, and um, and the ability to score inside, uh, and also a top Uh, a top-notch coach, uh, Mark Fewbill-Self. I don't want to exclude Duke, it's just they don't have the experience, so they don't really fit into that complete mold. Um, And Quentin Grimes hasn't actually played that well since the first game against Michigan State, and he's not going to play like this the rest of the season.
1: I I would say I'm a little... I know they played a really tough schedule. I'm a little worried about their defense. Their defense in adjusted is basically top five, but if you go raw, it's in the hundreds. hundreds, So Mm. that's a little scary. Um, Obviously, Ken Palm's rankings gradually decrease the uh, preseason influence as the time as the season goes on but they're they played some tough teams so and they're usually decent defensively the last few years after being really strong um so we'll see what happens but the defense is actually going to be a question mark for me um they've given haven't looked always the most organized team
0: yeah um let's run through some of these other smaller tournaments uh the first one actually is pretty pretty big names but I'm going to run through I'm just going to run through who won and and touch briefly on them and then you can give me your your top level thoughts there's a tournament in Vegas there are three tournaments in Vegas the first 14 tournament in Vegas Michigan State knocked off Texas in the final uh Texas beat North Carolina in the semifinals. North Carolina beat UCLA it was kind of blah you know like knocked around in the in the tournament in the consolation game so um the second tournament also there um, this is kind of the con- consolation bracket of the same tournament, and I, I think. Maybe it was in a different location. I'm not sure. But Nevada um, won. They blew out a couple teams, including UMass, who had blown out Southern Illinois. Um, Nevada scored uh, almost 1.6 points per possession against UMass. Um, the third tournament, Arizona State won a 14 tournament, in which they beat Mississippi State and uh, Utah State. And we got introduced to freshmen. Lou Dort, uh, who's from Montreal and is excellent. Uh, (laughs) Not only is he scoring a lot, but he's also uh, defending some of the best players in the other team. Uh, In the Cayman Islands, we saw, and this was kind of a theme of the week, we saw Big East teams kind of bounce back. We had obviously Seton Hall and the Wooden Legacy, Villanova at um, the Avocare. Creighton in the Cayman Islands won its tournament, including knocking off Clemson, which is one of the most impressive wins a Big East team has had this year, along with Florida State and uh miami by the other teams i mentioned all acc teams interestingly um in the cayman islands creighton won that tournament uh emerald coast classic cincinnati knocked off uh, mississippi in the final uh baylor was another team in that tournament that lost to uh, mississippi in the semifinals they might be the worst team in the big 12 right now and the legends classic which was not legendary uh the teams were st john's vcu temple and um Cal, which is maybe the worst team in the Pac 12. St. John's barely beat Cal in the semifinals, and then they barely, in overtime, beat VCU in the final on a bank shot by Shimori Pons, who was terrific. Uh, Anything that sticks out to you on those? I think those are
1: six events. Yeah, six is good. Uh, Michigan State against Texas. They were down 25 to six, and just really, I watched this game on Friday night. They just blew the doors off Texas the rest of the way. Joshua Langford. Who was kind of underachieved through his first two years in college and now is still in school a lot of people probably thought he would not be in school at this point he has he had 29 points in the uh, championship game including five of six from three cassius winston had a pretty much his his tournament was classic cassius winston he had uh 39 points 7 of 14 threes 17 assists eight turnovers <laughs> so he's going seven against
0: texas i believe
1: yes he was uh, shaky but langford played good and i'm sure michigan state fans will be happy for that texas looks like looks dangerous we know they've possibly underachieved on the shock of smart but corwin roach looked really good as did jackson hayes the freshman playing off the bench uh he looked pretty good in the early going against um michigan state had 11 points in that game so, and North Carolina lost to Texas. So, North Carolina, I know Brendan, you and I both picked them to win the national title uh, before the season started. They we're wondering why they're people are wondering why they're holding Nas Little back, why Roy is not playing him more. Um, what is going on with North Carolina? It's not really the worst loss in the world to lose to Texas, who's now five and one. Uh, but I'm sure the a lot of Tar Heel fans are probably scratching their head about what exactly um, is going on here, because why is he kind of just easing Nas Little in? Uh, to play so much. I know we talked about it a little last week, but now that they're they've lost a game and he's playing well when he plays. It's not like he doesn't look lost out there. They're curious to see, uh kind of like what's going on with Villanova and Quinterly um, what's gonna happen with Nas Little.
0: Yeah, Little and Kobe White are basically score shooting every time they get the ball on offense, the two of the two freshmen. Um They combined for 33 points in the win against UCLA. They each were above 30% possessions in that game, even though White only played 24 minutes and Nas Little only played 20. Uh, In the loss to Texas, um, Kobe White had 33 and Little had 11. Um, And and Kobe White was great in that game. Uh, the, The question is, what about these previously very efficient players like cam johnson and who did play quite well in vegas luke may who was a little bit lo- not uh focal point and then kenny williams is another player i mean they have a lot of good players and the question is how is it going to work out i think north carolina plays a very tough schedule and they're going to be good uh, they're going to be right there in the acc and it's just a matter of how um roy williams can mold the team so that they're ready once uh, the ncaa tournament starts you know they have they had texas they've already played uh, Texas and UCLA neutrals. They go to Michigan on Wednesday. They host Gonzaga, as Tom mentioned previously, December 15th, and they're in a neutral against Kentucky, on December 22nd. Um, and that's before Big e, uh, ACC play, uh, when they do things like visit Miami, North Carolina State. They host. Virginia, I mean, we—it's ACC, you know—they play. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, I North Carolina is good. I'm a little—I'm not sure about them, but I think they think they're very good, and and I think they'll figure it out.
1: All right, another uncertain team. I know you're not a big Chris Mellon fan, but St. John's is 5-0. and They beat in Loyola, Maryland, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Cal, and VCU, uh, including that overtime game we talked about. Um, what do we make of St. John's? Obviously, Shamori Ponds is awesome, but what about the rest of the team?
0: Well, I think 1-4, through four, they are might have the best talent in the big east with pons mustafa heron the transfer from auburn marvin clark a transfer from michigan state and justin simon a transfer from arizona um and they also have junior college transfer lj figaro who's after a good start you know those five players plus mikey dixon off the bench is another transfer i think from sacred heart oh no quinnipiac he's from quinnipiac um th- basically they're six deep and that's all they have so day is injured um brian trimble is not good and when he plays he barely hits the ball um they're not they're not deep they're not very good defensively they basically their style of defense is to go for steals every time um and uh they therefore foul a lot uh, they give up a lot of open open looks they're kind of lost on defense i do worry about that i think that j- just talent with four or five guys as talented as they have in a big east that is not overloaded with talent this year or at least not talent and experience and again these are uh, four juniors and a senior we're talking about with Pons, heron uh simon actually three juniors and a senior in marvin clark and then free row as a sophomore so um they're experienced they'll score they'll win i think enough games to make the ncaa tournament but for people who are saying they're going to they win the big east i think the big east when you need to be pretty dang bad this year for st john's to have a real chance to win the big east with their coaching and defense
1: well, Ken Palm has them going nine and nine in the Big East, which would not win the Big East. Uh, just to back up your back up your numbers, uh, what you're talking about, opponents shoot um, they're 328th in free throw defense, basically as far as uh, keeping their opponents off the line. Opponents shoot um, for every field goal attempt they shoot for every 100 field goal attempts they shoot 47.4 free throw attempts, which is not good. Uh, they do steal the ball a lot. They average their 12.4, in their, which is 20th in steal percentage, and their bench, they are they get only 17.3% of their minutes from their bench, which is 346th out of 353. So that is going to test them uh, later yeah, on
0: And I think that the thing is, their defense was better last year out of conference. Um, I think that the steal, and they also had a really good shot blocker last year in Tariq Owens, who's transferred to uh, Texas Tech. Um, and he's actually playing right away for Texas, for a good Texas Tech team. But last year, they got a lot of blocks and a lot of steals, and then didn't do anything else very well on defense. And they, and they got to 29th in the country over the, over the course of the season, but in conference play, they were only sixth. Um, so I think that when it comes to playing good teams in conference, teams that know you, uh, I'm a little, I'm very worried about St.
1: John's' defense. They left their first 11 Big East games last year. How did I forget that? And then they beat Duke and Villanova in back-to-back games. <laughs> That's true. That I remember. <laughs> no, no, it makes sense. That's right. That's
0: insane. Uh, yeah, let me touch briefly on the Iona-Providence game I went to. It was a little bit of a sleepy Friday, um, Saturday, Thanksgiving crowd. Um, but, it, but it was a good crowd in terms of number of people. Um, Iona doesn't really seem interested in playing much defense. They kind of press you, and then if you break the press, they're willing to give you a lot of open looks. So Providence took advantage, um, scoring, I think, 48 points in the first half and, and keeping up for the second half. Uh, Providence's uh, ball screen defense was not very good, um, something that was emphasized by Coach Ed Cooley in the, in the postgame. They are very young. I thought that this team would be really good defensively because of the athleticism they had and replacing Kyron Cartwright, who was about 5'10 with a 6'5 point guard who is athletic. But they're still young and they're learning how to play good ball screen defense. Their five man, Nate Watson, who, who's a very good offensive player, is still lost defensively for the most part. Um, and so I think that. They actually have a long, a lot of ceiling right now, offensively and defensively, but I can also see them playing poorly and dropping some of these upcoming games. Not that anyone listening maybe cares that much about Providence, but they play Rhode Island on Saturday. They're at Boston College next Tuesday. They host a decent UMass team the following Friday, and then they also are at Texas on December 21st before starting Big East play. If, if they lose more than one of those games, presumably at Texas, if they lose any other games, they're going to be in really rough shape entering the Big East Season,
1: um, but you gotta yeah. you, you gotta be reasonably happy with how they went through their first six games of the year. Obviously, you'd rather they've beaten Wichita State, but they really haven't shot themselves in the foot as far as uh, tournament positioning. Yeah,
0: Wichita State game was was um, was a tough one. I don't know how it's gonna be affected with the net rating, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But Wichita State lost two very close games to Davidson and Alabama that. In an RPI year, would make the Wichita State loss seem even worse. But in a net year, if they are looking at point differential, maybe the Wichita State loss doesn't look as bad, even though they're three and three. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. How it goes. I think both Providence and, and uh, Northwestern, the two teams I follow the most closely, are um, are in a position where they should be around the bubble this year, uh, barring some under, some major under over achievement.
1: You want to talk upsets?
0: Let's talk some upsets. Why don't you introduce? There, there were three. There were three big upsets of major conference teams. Uh, what stuck out to you in those in those three games?
1: Well, TCU. I possibly foolishly, but they're banged up. Um, lost to Lipscomb at home, 73-64. That was on Tuesday night. Um, then Kent State beat uh, Vanderbilt on Friday, and also Houston Baptist beat wake forest 93 91 knocking wake forest out of the acc big 10 challenge like you're not playing after losing to houston baptist so <laughs> i mean just to stick with tcu big 12 team i thought they would be pretty good they bring back buddy but jalen fisher has been injured that was not a pretty game uh from what i saw of it it was just not what jamie dixon wanted and you can't really lose to um lips coming home uh yeah just yeah Desmond Bain had four points in 34 minutes. It was pretty ugly. Fisher did not do anything. I wonder how healthy he is, and we'll see how TCU responds. The Big 12 is not going to be easy this season. We've seen some good things out of Oklahoma State uh, that we weren't expecting. Oklahoma looks decent, so I'm not sure how TCU is going to handle it. Uh, let me look at their schedule though to see what's next for them. But it was just a disappointing game. You don't want to see. It's just yeah, you just don't want to see a team lose to Lipscomb. Uh, at home in November they have mm-hmm. Eastern Michigan Central Michigan at SMU and Semi away at USC so those are their next two I think, I think that send away is in LA too yeah it's so just not basically away yeah
0: yeah I mean Jim Dixon is not known for playing difficult schedules um and that has not changed um they do play in, in the Diamond Head Classic uh you see you see that Hawaii-Pacific game. They also will play um, – before that, they will play Bucknell or Rhode Island, depending on what happens with the Charlotte game, and then I'm sure there's another uh, decent team in there. So um, Jamie Dixon doesn't like playing really tough non conference schedules, but uh, he will get a couple more challenges maybe, although Rhode Island is not very good this year, um, and, and I assume TCU should be favored to win. There's probably one other team in that tournament on the other side of the bracket if I can get my uh, this really wonky Diamond Head Classic site to win. <laughs> Um, Yeah, it looks like, okay, so TCU plays Charlotte, and the winner plays the winner of Bucknell and Rhode Island. On the other side of the bracket is Hawaii, Colorado, UNLV, and Indiana State. So no, that's not really, I mean, Colorado and UNLV are okay, but not much to write home about in that tournament. Yeah, and the other... Uh, the other upsets, we saw Darius Garland, five-star point guard, one of the best point guards in the class, was injured two minutes in against Kent State, and Vanderbilt lost that game. It's a torn meniscus. He's going to have surgery. He will probably be out uh, six to eight weeks. Um, that, he's a very important part of that team, and they're probably not an NCAA tournament team without him. Even with him, they might not be, but without him, they certainly don't look like one. Um, we don't need to talk more about Wake Forest. Danny Manny era is... Uh, they lost a couple of guys early last year, unexpectedly, and that really has... Um, has hurt them uh, this season, and it could be a long season. It, sh- it will likely be a long season for them in the ACC. Um, now, what, the net, the net rating was announced today. Uh, this is the replacement for the RPI for how the NCAA will kind of organize teams. It's not supposed to be a direct comparison of two teams, but more of a comparison of the quality of your wins and losses and the quality of your schedule. Um, what did you? Th- what, I guess I don't want to talk too much about the net itself, but maybe what were your thoughts on the thoughts about the net?
1: today well i think people should just understand that it doesn't need it didn't need to have been released today it doesn't it doesn't factor in anything predictive from any anything from previous seasons it's just the first six games basically for all these teams so look who these teams are playing there's going to be some out of whack um uh just rankings like it's just going to be weird like obviously loyola marymount is not better than kansas or should not be ranked higher than kansas but here we are so
0: they're 10th right now yeah
1: kansas is 11th i believe so I mean, let's just realize that that's what it is. They released it probably. They should start releasing this in January, rather than, mm-hmm. totally agree. Rather than releasing it in November when we have such a small sample. By the way, it's small sample, not small sample size. You can have a sample size problem, but you don't need to say small sample size. You can just say small sample. So, mm-hmm. just that—that's another thought on the thoughts of uh, of this.
0: So, like c- I couldn't have said better. What you said shouldn't be said.
1: <laughs> and also, I mean, there's some. It seems weird. I, also, the the other thing I don't like is the the number one team value index is secret. So like we don't know what goes into that, which seems kind of weird. Like obviously net efficiency, obvious win percentage, which is basically is just is ranked higher than the adjusted win percentage. The adjusted win percentage is the um, is basically what the RPI is, right?
0: Yeah, they 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 adjust it for home and road. Um, yeah, I mean I think. The biggest problem with this is that they what they could have done and they could have helped their pub is when they announced the net or sometime before the season started they could have released the last two or three seasons of the final net Um, and been like, oh, here's how it came at the end and you can, and it would have opened up to some criticism. I'm sure people would have, would have dug through it been like, this is stupid, that's stupid, but there's no other data that people have besides this one week of ratings, three weeks into the college basketball season. Um, and they, and they should have waited and ultimately it's just, just bad PR by Dan Gavin in the NCAA. Uh, but I I will, they want to point out that Nate Silver, Nate Silver of 538 fame, um, he, I mean, obviously he's a smart guy and he knows how to project things. Um, he called it the worst ranking system in the history of ranking C systems ever, or something like that, for sports. He said, "Go back to the drawing board." Uh, in in defense of not Nate Silver, he, he did have what? um I think you know this better than me. He had Brazil at seventy five percent to win the World Cup. Entering the in 20... yeah,
1: entering the semifinals yeah. and they lost seven one in the semifinals. So probably yeah. not correct.
0: And they weren't playing well entering that. Yeah. And then he also had um, at like seventy percent entering the Western Conference Finals. He had the Houston Rockets at seventy percent to win the title last year. Not that we even win the Western Conference Finals, but to win the title, he had them seventy percent over basically
1: year, Golden State, eighty or ninety yeah. percent against Golden State, which is frankly yeah. insane. So yeah. maybe not the worst thing ever. He also in that same World Cup had two. He had his group permutations not add up to two. You know, they're the chance to get out of the group should add up to 200 because two teams get out of the group they did not add up to 200 percent so he could keep his eyes on his own house i guess a little bit but it, yeah. and also i believe we side-by-sided uh the rpi what it would be right now versus this yeah. at double bonus pod it, on twitter it's clearly this is better than the rpi and this has some problems and they probably should <laughs> use adjusted efficiencies and they probably can do some other things that don't make it redundant and maybe get rid of scoring margin period because that penalizes lower tempo teams we do whatever you want there are obviously plenty of things to criticize about it but it's not as bad as it seems everyone just calm down it's november 26th it's just a just a preview and i think it totally would be the what what would have been a great idea to show you this is what we had entering the tournament last year look how much better this is then of course then they would have undermined their selection process probably for last year so they probably don't want to do that but you know what's done is done I mean the key
0: question in the in the net is it, is it going to be used like the RPI was as basically a sorting mechanism of quad quadrant wins and losses or are you going to be comparing teams head to head in in net say this team is 35 and that team's 45 so the 35 team should go that they, I don't think they're going to do that. No, they're going to. And so therefore, it's not actually that important where a team is ranked. It's important where the teams the team is playing is ranked, which is flawed in and of itself. But at least it makes the actual like ordinal rankings of the net a little bit less uh, important.
1: Yeah, another nerd Jeff Sagarin, whose website stinks by the way. Um, I guess that's part of the appeal. But he had so he had some crazy rankings early in the year too. But no one takes him seriously because you know we know we need more data to do it. Think about how many college basketball games have been played right now, and how many more will be played over the next three months before the NCAA tournament so if you look yeah. at jeff sagarin's uh rankings for college basketball before this is like three games into the season it would be insane now they've mostly sorted out but he has michigan state at two nebraska at 10 so he's got some weird things going on there
0: yeah nebraska was number one like two weeks yeah. ago in his rankings.
1: so you know not everything and yeah I, I bet you that nate silver respects jeff sagarin there's a lot of cockeyed things you can have come up as things go along no rating system's perfect um but it's yeah, they should have waited a, waited another month. That's what I would've done.
0: Um, yeah, let's 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 tr- switch gears. We have uh, really uh, two or three more segments. Uh, the, the last two are going to be different kinds of picks. But this next one is is something that came out of a Ken Palm podcast where he talked about you know what is the p- object of the AP poll. Every week there's like arguments about who should be ranked where, and really every week it's it's fairly arbitrary like is it based on how good a team is how good you think they're going to be how good they've been is it a resume thing is it you know if a team beats another team do they not get, a, get ranked ahead of that team and so ken pomeroy's idea um was basically to sp- get a sponsor for the ap poll and advocare. have them put down money uh if you had the advocare ap poll it sounds perfect yeah. you know um you end up having each of the voters to pay for part of their sponsorship probably um <laughs> so what you would do is you'd basically take somehow aggregate the ap polls throughout the year of each voter and depending on where they had teams ranked they would get money if the teams they had ranked the highest like won the ncaa tournament for instance like if the team they had ranked the highest for most of the season won the ncaa tournament so that each week your ap your ap ranking is based on the 25 teams you think are most likely to win the NCAA tournament in order. So that way we at least know what it is. So you can take into account injuries. Take into account what the schedule has been and how your opinion has changed and how what the upside of the team is and all of that kind of stuff. So what we're going to do throughout the season, about once every four or five weeks, is do our individual top 25 in, in how Ken Palm suggests it, the order, or in this case 25 to 1, the reverse order of the 25 teams we think are most likely to win the NCAA title. So... Are you ready? I
1: am ready. I spent a lot of time at work doing this today. So we're ready to go.
0: (laughs) Time well spent. Oh, yeah. Um, So uh, for the first few chunks, and and I'll just preface this for me, uh, 15 to 25 or so is basically, you know, there are good teams or teams you think are going to be good, but they're, you know, this is their chance of winning the national title, not making the Sweet 16, not making the field, not, you know, even making the Elite Eight. So I've thought about the the team's upside, you know, things about their style and their coaches. So these are not the top 25 teams in the country right now, again. So I think it's going to be interesting to see where you came out on some of these teams, Tom. So why don't we reveal the first few chunks uh, in sets of five? Give me your 25 through 21.
1: Sure. uh, Clemson's 25. Mississippi State, Mm -hmm. 24. Indiana 23, Arizona State 22, and Ohio State is 21.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, so you had Clemson, Mississippi State, Indiana, Arizona State, and Ohio State. Yeah, gonna... okay.
1: I got. It. Oh, you, you um, got it. good?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Cl- you know, you have any any comment on these five? Teams?
1: I just think they're teams that are either well coached or somewhat dangerous, and you know they're. They play in good conferences, so they have a very good chance to get a pretty good protected seed in the, or, you know, higher seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, And they have some talent, obviously. You know, Indiana's very top-heavy with their two stars, so they could be dangerous in the tournament. Who knows how how they get, how they mature throughout the year. I really like Archie Miller as a coach, um, despite the little blow-up against Arkansas. So they're just really, you know, kind of dangerous teams. Like, no one thought South Carolina was going to make the Final Four two years ago, and they did, so I'm trying to, like, trying to, you know, capture that type of team. In this lower part mm. of the tor- lower part of the rankings.
0: Yeah, I I have two of your five teams in my poll, but only one in this group of five. My 25 through 21 are Ohio State, who I put in here over a couple of other Big Ten teams, including Iowa, because of uh, their coach Chris Holman. Just seems like a really good coach. And North Carolina State is one of these teams that I has a lot of talent and a lot of depth. They go as deep as any team in the country, pretty much. Um, but they haven't really played anyone yet. And this that'll change this week when they play at Wisconsin. And so it's kind of like some unknownness to them. Like, are, they might be really, really good. Or they might more likely be, like, not that good. But this is kind of like hedging that bet and putting them 24. Uh, Syracuse, 23. Um, you know, their style, their coaching, and the fact that they haven't had Frank Howard until the last game, I think, gives them some upside. Purdue, 22, and Kansas State, 21, is probably lower than they are in, in like, the rankings. I feel like there is not great upside with this team. I do see some possible like Kemba potential in Carson Edwards, which probably should make me put them higher. Um, but ultimately I put them at 22 in Kansas state. I definitely docked them for Bruce Weber as their coach in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I don't see, think he's like a great uh, tournament coach, but he does get the most of the team in the season. They might be overseeded uh, and they have a lot of, uh, they have a lot of veteran veterans. Uh, who do you got 20 through 16?
1: Uh i'll work backwards i have at 20 I pasted it in here see if it works uh 20 i have kansas state at 19 i have texas at 18 i have syracuse at 17 i have purdue and 16 i have wisconsin
0: A couple of the teams that I just mentioned, Kansas State, Syracuse, and Purdue, are in your like second yeah. five that are in my first five. Uh, Texas and Wisconsin are a couple of the new teams. We, we talked about Texas already. Uh, any thoughts on Wisconsin? Uh,
1: just, Wisconsin, you know, they have a star senior, Ethan Happ, who's going to be in the player of the year uh, discussion. Um, Timisha Trice has looked good, very sharp shooter, early going. Um, they always seem to be dangerous in the tournament. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's why I picked Wisconsin. Uh, Purdue I'm a little higher on just because they're so good offensive rebounding, banging the glass. I know they flamed out of the tournament the last few years, um, but I do like them uh, when March rolls around, actually, despite that, uh, those recent performances. And then Kansas State. Bruce Weber used to have a reputation of being a good coach who just couldn't recruit, and now he is a bad coach who –
0: so I don't know how that
1: happened. That's all. Like, yeah, Kansas State fans who just basically hated him from the moment he got there, and now he's yeah. But he used to be like, oh, if only he could recruit. He's such a smart in-game coach. He's such a smart. He just does so well with the talent he has, and now we have smart people like you saying Bruce Bummer stinks. How did that happen? Yeah, I,
0: I I do feel a bit unfair at the same time. Like I. I defend Bruce Weber to my Kansas state f- friend fans or fan friends. I have a lot, a lot of, it's a weird, I have a lot of friends from Kansas state, uh, which is strange, but, um, and so I have, I, a friend owes me a dinner because I pick Kansas state, ab- uh, above whatever they were picked in the, at Big 12 coaches poll last year, so I do like Bruce Weber, and it probably was a little unfair to say I'm not I don't trust him in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think more my, more my issue with Kansas State why I had him 21, you had them 20, I had him 21. It's not yeah. a great difference there, but the reason why I had them 21 and not higher, I think they're probably in the 10, 12, 13 range in the actual AP poll is just they feel like a little bit of a low upside team to me. Uh, maybe it's less about their coach, maybe the coach is part of the low upside. I don't know, but uh, that's why I had them at 21. Um, yeah. My Yeah, my 20 through 16, a uh, couple teams you've already mentioned. I have Indiana at 20, Oregon at 19, Texas at 18, Iowa State 17, and Florida State at 16. Um, just to touching a couple of the new teams there. Oregon hasn't played like a top 25 team, I don't think, but they are without one of their top freshmen, Louis, Louis King. Uh, Bull Bowl has been excellent, and it's a chance that he could be, like, one of the best players in the country this year if he kind of is more consistent, does little things a little bit better. Um and so that combination of high upside talent, a coach who's been to the Final Four and Dana Altman at Oregon recently, makes me put them a little bit higher than probably their play indicates. Iowa State is a team that suffered from suspensions and injuries but still has played pretty well um, despite losing to Arizona in Maui. And I think that this is a team that has an upside of like an Elite Eight or Sweet 16 team. Uh, and then Florida State I actually dropped after the Villanova game. I, I think Villanova has not been playing that well, and it seems like a game that a team, if Florida State really is a Final Four team, they should have won. Despite Phil being out, I understand. It's a little bit difficult to judge where they are right now without Cofer, but but their offense looked a little bit out of sorts, which could change when Kofer returns, but ultimately I put them 16.
1: Fair. Um, what do we think of how they're coached, Florida State? They're in my next group, by the well, way.
0: Yeah, Leonard Hamilton is a guy that I followed early on with Miami uh, when I was a Big East fan growing up. And he was a guy that always got the most out of his team in the regular season, and they flamed out in the postseason. And now at Florida State, he's kind of brought in a ton of high, ath- highly athletic, um, rangy Inconsistent players, and his team kind of plays that way. Like they'll lose one game randomly that you wouldn't expect, either in conference or out of conference. But they're always a team that could knock off Duke, and seems to knock them off every year. Uh, then you know they haven't had success in the tournament so much. To you know, there was the one year where they were veterans and they went to like the Sweet 16, or even they even the lead. It was Sweet 16 when they knocked off Notre Dame, a good Notre Dame team with Ben Hansbrough in the second round, and in like a huge upset round. But then like last year two years ago, they got blown out by Xavier in the second round. And then last year, they go as an eight seed. Beat Xavier in the second round and go all the way to the uh, Elite Eight, uh, where they gave Michigan a pretty good run for their money. It's just it's a team you don't know about. They're a high variance team, and uh, and ultimately why I had them 16. It's like you have them 15.
1: Yeah, uh, the rest. So I have Michigan, Florida State 15, Buzz Williams, Virginia Tech team 14. I have Villanova 13, uh, Texas Tech, it's a very scary team. As a Kansas fan, I do not look forward to those two games. They're 12th and Michigan State. I have 11th. I want to just talk Texas Tech, who lost some players last year, and then all of a sudden they're back in business this year in the Big 12. Jared Culver has been much – he's made a huge leap as a sophomore. He, I believe, is eighth right now in the uh, Ken Palm, the k point rankings. Their defense is unbelievable, Um, Mm -hmm. Texas Tech. And really it's a credit to Chris Beard, who is a monster. So I feel like that team, he's not going to be with that school that much longer, but – I don't know. They are very scary, and I think they could be. I mean, they're probably they'll def. I could totally see them wrecking a bracket and being one of those teams that gets into the Final Four, and everyone's rolling their eyes because it's not a blue blood program or a marquee brand name. Uh, but they could def. They're definitely a Final Four contender in my opinion.
0: Yeah, they knocked off Purdue last year in the tournament, um, and then they ran into Villanova and had them pretty tough for a while. O- offensively, they're kind of ugly to watch, um, but defensively they'll stay in games. They're kind of like. Um, a more frenetic version of Virginia with slightly less talent, or maybe more than slightly less talent. I, I have them also at 12. You had them at 12. Wisconsin, I have on my list at 13. So we go, let me do it in order. Villanova, I had as 15. You had him 13. Virginia Tech, we both had 14. Wisconsin, I had at 13. You had them down at 16. Texas Tech, we both had 12. And I have as 11, Auburn, who I assume you have in your top 10, where you have Michigan State, which clearly is the team we differ on, in the top 10, assuming the rest of our top 10 is the same set of teams. Um... I'm a a little bit lower on Auburn than Michigan State, I think just because of how Tom Izzo can potentially mold his team to perform in the NCAA tournament. I'm still wary of that, even though the last couple of years they've obviously flamed out a little bit early. And Wisconsin, I'm very high on. They look really, really uh, skilled and well-coached and like a typical old Bo Ryan team, and those teams are always tough to knock out in the NCAA tournament. I was considering Villanova over Vatek, which I know you have. I, by bounce Vatek over Villanova, assuming Chris Clark comes back at some point. And also, I just think this Villanova team is more like a four-seedy kind of team that probably will play to its seed and go out in the, in the Sweet 16. It just doesn't seem to quite have the top-line potential that uh, recent Villanova teams have
1: had. I do think that Villanova team does—this Villanova team does have some upside, though, because as I said, they've been shooting so poorly— and they have, they're very well coached, and they have, you know, talented freshmen who aren't playing. So I think if they shoot better, they can be dangerous. And, they you know, not to ride on last year's streaky performance, but it's probably the best team shooting we've seen in the tournament basically of all time. Uh, but I do think that this is the type of team that can catch fire. So that's why I ranked them, I think, a little bit higher than you did.
0: Yeah. So let's uh... – Let's 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 go two by two here. Give me your nine and ten and nine, and then I'll
1: give you my ten and nine, and we'll go from there. All right, I got <clears throat> excuse me, Tennessee and Kentucky at nine and ten. So Kentucky's ten, and Tennessee's nine.
0: Yeah, I have Michigan. I
1: have Tennessee and and
0: Michigan State. So Michigan State jumps from eleven to ten for me. You have Kentucky at ten. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, well, I'll just talk about. Uh, well, I'll talk about Tennessee. Well coached, very good defense. They have, interesting on offense, maybe a little bit too dependent on Grant Williams. I mean, Jordan Bone is solid, and uh, they have other players, but you can see things kind of run through him more than you see often on a as a forward on, um, on a championship-caliber team. And so I'm a little bit wary of their offense in big games. Um, that's why – I mean, it's still nine. That's pretty good for a Tennessee team that was picked to finish like 13th in the ACC, SEC last year. Uh, and then Michigan State um, – I you know, we talked about them at, at length, so I don't think I to go
1: over them any further. Yeah, Tennessee, now they're relying on Graham Williams a lot, who's very good, third in the K-point rankings right now, but they're also very reliant on their starters, like after Schofield and Bone. And down there, they do not get that many minutes from their bench. Kyle Alexander and Jordan Bowden play, but it is a little tricky uh, for them. So that could be a problem come tournament time. But I still really think that good players play well, and I do think Rick Barnes is a good coach. So... We'll, uh, we'll see from there, but they're definitely not not in like the. There might be in the third tier from the national championship contenders.
0: Yeah, uh, then you have Kentucky at number ten, and they're in my next two. I'll, I'll I'll reveal my seven and eight now. My number eight team is Kentucky. My number seven team is Nevada. I didn't know what to do with either of these teams really. Nevada's offense is great. Kentucky's talent is great. Um, I. I'm not sure, I, I just don't know. Like I think these teams are right on the fringe of being title contenders, but there are a lot of strong teams ahead of them, um, and, I, and I value those teams higher than uh, Nevada at 7 and Kentucky at 8. Kentucky's defense should be better, although they're struggling this year. A lot of that might be because of teams just shooting the lights out against them from 3.
1: Yeah, and I have Nevada at 8 and Auburn at 7. I think it's a little unfair to Nevada because they could be so good, right? And they can they could be really good all season, and we'll, we'll wait till they play somebody uh, in the tournament. And they're gonna they're very likely to be a one or two seed, I would think, out west, um, assuming they play to their record in the uh, in the Mountain West. But they have you know they have all these new faces in here. The Martin brothers, Caleb and Cody, are playing really well. Jordan Caroline is playing very well. They seem to have meshed. Very well. Their defense has been pretty good so far. So, but who knows? Like, what is there? When are we going to learn more about um, Nevada? They're going to play USC. They're going to play Fresno State. Uh, sorry, Arizona State is a good game on December seventh. We talked about that in an earlier pod. Um, but like, are we really going to base our how good Nevada is based on their San Diego State games in the Mountain West? So this is they're going to be a wild card, I think, all season long. I think there's going to be a this kind of trail. Like, well, how good really are they? And they could be really good and. and they could be knock off anybody or they could just be kind of a product of a little bit of who they play uh, when it comes to tournament time
0: yeah no i um it's it's a tough team to evaluate just based on their schedule um but and also their defense might not be that good um but we've seen teams like villanova who haven't necessarily had great defenses go and do a lot in uh in march uh okay my five and six my six is virginia and my five is michigan um, who, who do you have there um, for Virginia the reason why I put them a little bit lower Virginia six and Michigan five I think they're actually better than this right now but I think my issue is that um, Michigan and Virginia are both defense-based teams which is weird to say because of a John line coach team but their offenses offenses maybe aren't as high caliber in March and might be more prone to be shut down by other teams. Um, and so ultimately, even though I, I think Michigan and Virginia are probably slightly better than this, I put Virginia six and Michigan five um, as a result. So that's why I had Michigan and Virginia five and six, even though I, I think maybe they're a little bit better than, um, than maybe the two teams right in front of them, or at least one of them. What do you, what do you have five and six?
1: I have uh, Gonzaga five and Virginia six. Ooh, the Zags. Yeah, so they are um, still and not in the top four. Um, obviously, Virginia. Um, people are going to doubt Tony Bennett, and they may very well. He may very well earn that, but I don't think that. I think there have been a, there's a long history of coaches who have not been good until they've won a title or made a Final Four, and all of a sudden, people think they're great. And so I really think that's going to happen. Uh, Virginia, they lost a lot of guys. Their defense is just as good as ever. They're a tough matchup. They're a tough tournament team to play because they can be frustrating just as just as much as their style really hurt them against um, UMBC last year when they fell behind. They kind of had to. They really have no way to come back. Uh, sometimes uh, the style can be hard to adjust to in the tournament. They're the slowest team in the country, but the Andre Hunter's playing really well. Kyle Guy is good. Ty Jerome. They're all playing very well. Their offense is very good. Their defense is very good. The defense is as good as it's ever been in Virginia, possibly. So I like Virginia uh, to be a very dangerous team in March. But yeah, you still had them sixth.
0: Yeah. Ooh. And Gonzaga five. Um, I'm I'm going to reveal my final four right here at once. Um, four is North Carolina. Three is Gonzaga. Two is Kansas. And number one is Duke. I, I struggled with the order of the first three teams. Um. But I ultimately went with Duke one, Kansas two, Gonzaga three, just because I think Duke is farther along than it usually ha- is uh, at this point. Kansas, uh, I really struggle to put them second and not first. Uh, but even I think Gonzaga is worthy of being in that spot as well. It looks like you have the same top two as me. So ultimately, at least based on this poll, we might be judged by our third place team. You have North Carolina and I have Gonzaga. What are your thoughts?
1: Uh, yeah, I think North Carolina still has room to grow basing this on a lot of, I think there are a lot of teams in my top 25 that are, I want to see play better. Villanova, North Carolina, uh, Kentucky, uh, Texas, Texas played very well, but, and, but I just can't pick against Duke right now. I think they're too talented. They're too scary. I remember when Kansas played the 2012 championship game against uh, Kentucky and that was a pretty good Kansas team and it looked like it did not belong on the same court as Duke. Uh, I don't think this Duke's team is that good. I think this Kansas team's probably better but I can still see a situation where like Duke just plays out of its mind in a championship game against Kansas. And I like Michigan. I like their defense. I think Beeline's a very good coach, and I think the fact that we talked about this much more last podcast, we don't need to go into it again, but the fact that they're playing really good defense to go along with a very smart offensive mind uh, is a really scary thought for the Big Ten uh, and the rest of the t- t- country come tournament time.
0: Yeah, we're Looking at our, our polls together, it looks like I'm a little bit higher on Gonzaga. You're a little bit higher on Auburn. I'm a little bit higher in Kentucky. Um, those might be the big differences. And then lower down, it looks like uh, I'm, a, I'm a lot higher than Iowa State. I have them in my poll, and you don't. You're higher on Purdue. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're both high in Wisconsin. I'm a little higher on them. Uh, any any closing thoughts on this before we move to the ACC Big Ten Challenge?
1: Uh, no. I think I may have overlooked Oregon, but we're Okay. They may make an appearance in next month. We'll see. We'll see. They're on probation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, um, for for want of time, let's quickly go through our ACC, Big Ten picks we're going to do this based on confidence points so you pick the winner and then your confidence points one being the least confident and 14 being the most confident the tournament starts uh or the series the challenge starts today with two games today being the 26th monday there are six games on tuesday and six games on wednesday so let's go quick fire uh nebraska at clemson who do you have and how many points
1: uh, i have clemson i am giving them five Confidence points. I think this is the, really the toughest test for Nebraska's defense, and they got to face Marquise Reed and Shelton Mitchell. I do not think they stop them, so give me Clemson straight up. Ooh,
0: I'm taking Nebraska, actually, in the upset. Um, I think they're a little bit more together as a team right now, and they know who they are, and I'm going to give it one point, though. That's all. Minnesota at Boston College.
1: Uh, give me Minnesota. Two points. Um, They're a good offensive rebounding team. BC's already had a bad loss to IUPUI. They did be loyal to Chicago, which is what everyone's doing this year, it seems like. Um, They're very reliant on Kai Bowman so far, but uh, I like like Minnesota.
0: I also like Minnesota. I'm a little more confident in them. I'm going to give them five points. Tuesday night, the first game will be Illinois at Notre Dame. Who you got?
1: Uh, Notre Dame. Sorry, I did this in a slightly different order than you. I have Notre Dame uh illinois has been terrible and notre dame quietly just kind of humming along here six guys average between they're very balanced six guys between 7.8 and 12.8 points per game uh tj gibbs could shoot a little better but they will win i give them 10 points in this one
0: i also have notre dame with 11. we saw um rex pfluger break out against DePaul in a game that was pretty close at the half and they blew him in the second half uh Illinois is really good at pressuring teams and forcing turnovers, but uh, Noreen doesn't commit turnovers. That's kind of a bad matchup for the Illini. Um, Okay, let's move on. We've got Virginia Tech at Penn State. Who do you have?
1: I have Virginia Tech, seven points. Uh, Pat Chambers is Penn State really playing strong defensively, but that's not a great matchup for Virginia Tech giving giving their offense, so give me Virginia Tech and seven points.
0: I have uh, Virginia Tech at four points, a little bit less confident. I think Ken Palm actually might have Penn State favorite in this game. I think, it's, um, yeah.
1: I think it's minus one. Virginia Tech giving one on the road. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, Penn State has a rough loss on the road to DePaul. They uh, by in overtime. They also lost neutral court to Bradley, um, but they do have actually the number five player in the in the Ken Palm Player of the Year ring is Lamar Stevens, who's been terrific for them, soaking up possessions getting to the foul line, and also killing it on the defensive glass. Uh, will it be enough? We say no. Michigan State at Louisville. Who you got?
1: Uh, I got Michigan State, eight points. We Ooh. talked about Cash and Winston's stat-stuffer uh, performance, or stats sheet stuffer in Vegas. Um, Louisville's in a, uh, under Chris Max in this really tough stretch right now, which is uh, going to be tricky for them, so give me Michigan State.
0: Okay, I have Michigan State with six points. I really did like what I saw from Louisville against Marquette, but they kind of threw the game away. Um, they don't have a huge amount of options uh, offensively, um, and I think Chris Max is team. Uh, so I do like Michigan State, but I, I feel like this could be one that that we, it wouldn't be too surprising to me if Louisville won the
1: game. No, definitely, especially uh, in Louisville. Yeah.
0: yeah. Next, uh, next up is Pittsburgh at Iowa, one of the dogs of the event. Uh, what do you got?
1: Um, Iowa and 14. So this is my number one pick. They get to the line and they make free throws. They're pretty strong offensively. They've already beaten Oregon. Maybe that's why I took Oregon out of my top 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's Pittsburgh 6-0, and but they haven't beaten anybody besides St. Louis. So I like Iowa.
0: Yeah, Iowa was probably the last snub from my top 25, uh, just because their offense has been so good and their defense hasn't been that bad. I do only have as 12 just because I Pittsburgh has played a little bit better uh, of late. And I, I always wonder about that Iowa defense. that The last year's defense might crop up on them, but, uh, but obviously only slightly less confident than you are in the Hawkeyes. Next up is NC State at Wisconsin. What do you got?
1: Uh, I have Wisconsin at 11 points. We talked about Trice. He's 20 of 35 from three. Obviously, Ethan Happ is amazing. They just come off a loss to Virginia. Uh, the one thing they have to be careful with is NC State forces a lot of turnovers, but Wisconsin's traditionally very good with that. So I like Wisconsin to win uh, at home.
0: Yeah, I like Wisconsin a little bit less. Obviously, um, I like Wisconsin more than you in the top 25, but I also have NC State in that poll, which you didn't. And I'm very high on uh, the Wolfpack. Uh Doran is, is excellent. Um, and they're just, again, like I said, they're one of the deepest teams in the country. Um, and so I have Wisconsin winning, but just with nine points. Um, next is Indiana Duke, one of these showcase matchups that will cover a pair of blue bloods. What do you got?
1: Uh, I have Duke and 12 points. This game is going to take the over, whatever it is. Uh, I think this game will be really fun to watch, but not for Indiana. Um, yeah.
0: I have Duke at 14 is my number one most confident game. Um, maybe that's a little bit overstating it, but uh, I do think Duke's offense at home will come to play. Um, Indiana's a freshman point guard. And Rob Finnessy, we talked about him before. Romeo Langford has been good but not great. Another freshman. Um, Sean Miller can, uh, can coach. Uh, sorry, Archie Miller. Well, they both can coach. But Archie Miller's the one coaching in this game. And uh, and so that's a little bit dangerous to pick Duke at 14. Maybe I should have done that, but I did. So there we go. Syracuse at Ohio State.
1: Uh, I have Ohio State winning this game. Four confidence points. We'll see how well Caleb Weston attacks the zone down low. And you wonder, the only question I have is, does Ohio State shoot enough threes against a Syracuse zone? But I do like Ohio State to win at home.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Syracuse in this one. Uh, this feels just like a game that Syracuse goes and knocks on some shots. Frank Howard's back, although he didn't play particularly confidently against, um, I think it was Colgate in the previous game. Uh, it's an upset for sure. But if, if Ohio State not uh, an exceptional shooting team and so – I'm going to go with the upset here in Syracuse. Uh, that's the first game on Wednesday night, I should say. Also Wednesday, Virginia at Maryland.
1: Uh, Virginia with six confidence points. I like them. I know Bruno Fernando's playing well for Maryland, but I like Virginia for all the reasons I just talked about.
0: Yeah, Virginia is one of uh, – Maryland's one of the youngest teams in the country. I have Virginia with eight points, a little more confident than you are in them. Um, this is a chance for Maryland to make a statement. They're at home. They're undefeated, uh, maybe a little bit underrated depending on who you talk to, certainly in Ken Palm, they always seem to be lower rated than people have them in the AP poll. I think they're in the AP poll or at the bottom end of the top 25 and they're in the thirties, I believe in Ken Palm. Uh, what do you got Rutgers at Miami?
1: Uh, I have Miami 13 points. Uh, Rutgers is in a brutal stretch right now. They got to play this game. Then they open their big 10 schedule with Wisconsin and Michigan state. That is awful. Uh, so give me Miami with 13 confidence points.
0: I also have Miami with 13. Rutgers' defense is pretty good, though. Uh, it could keep them in the game. They also have had games where they've shot a lot of threes. Um, Rutgers is, is definitely the worst team in the Big Ten. Well, I, I'm pretty sure they're the worst team in the Big Ten, but they are. They should be better than last year. Um, and Miami is pretty thin. So if they, can get, if they get in foul trouble, a Geo Baker goes off. Um, Issa Thiem goes off. I remember these names from my uh, big East fa- my, from my favorite team's fantasy uh, thing last year. I remember Tom had Geo Baker on his bench for a long time, which was a, a big mistake. Uh, ultimately, um, his team was quite good though and um, did better than me. Moving on. North Carolina
1: at Michigan. Uh, I like Michigan. Obviously this is one of the best games. This is probably the best game in the tournament or in the challenge when you factor in name brand plus quality of team. Uh, but when in doubt, trust the defense and trust the team at home and trust the team with a better start to the season. So I'll go Michigan. How many points? Oh, only one point, though. Oh, okay, I went with three points. They seem a little bit more ready
0: for this game. Freshman point guard and Kobe White on the road. Uh, you don't know. you know, North Carolina might be the team to solve Michigan's defense, but we saw North Carolina's offense struggle against another Michigan team uh, against Michigan State last year at the PK-80. And so I could see that happening again against Michigan. Final two games: Purdue at Florida State.
1: Uh, I like Purdue in this game. Three points. Um, Purdue is really good on the offensive glass. Evan Boudreaux is great, and I think Carson Edwards is—he's well, one of the most involved players in the country right now, uh, offensively. And I think you know Florida State's a little banged up. Uh, give me Purdue with three confidence points.
0: Yeah, um, I have Florida State with seven points. So this, this will probably decide the, uh, the confidence uh-huh. points he- thing here. Um, I think Florida State is a tough matchup for Purdue just because of how long they are. Um, and I think that Purdue is going to have a tough time getting shots off against, uh, the Seminoles. Um, Florida State is coming off of uh, a tournament loss to Villanova on Sunday, so they only have a couple days to prepare, but, uh, Looking at this, I feel like this is quite risky, but I'm going with Florida State. (laughs) Uh, Wrapping wrapping up, we have uh, the uh, Tom Borstein lookalike, Josh Pastner and Georgia Tech heading to my alma mater Northwestern. Who do you have and how many points?
1: Uh, I have Northwestern, nine confidence points. Josh Pastner's team has played very good defense. You know, his opponents are only shooting 34.7% from the floor this year, uh, but I still like Northwestern to win at home pretty easily.
0: Yeah, I got Northwestern with 10 confidence points. They really did play well down the stretch at, um, at like the Wooden Legacy. You know, they do have a, a long flight and they have to be back, um, and playing in a couple of days at home. But it's not a road game, which is big. Um, so again, I looking at our picks, it looks like the big difference is you have Clemson with five, and I have Nebraska with one, and you have Purdue with three, and I have Florida State with seven. You also have Ohio State with four, and I have Syracuse with two. The individual confidence points, the biggest gap was probably you had Vatek with seven and Virginia Tech with, I, I had Vatek with four, um, and I had Minnesota with five, and you had Minnesota with two. Uh, so let's wrap up with some picks, move through them quickly. We have a lot of good games this week. Um, let's just run through them. Give me your pick and, and one line on it. Nevada at Loyola. Nevada favored by seven at Loyola. That game is Tuesday night.
1: Uh, give me Nevada. I think that their offense will just come in and take care of business here.
0: I agree. I'm with Nevada. Wisconsin. This is the beginning of Big Ten play. These are games. This is a game on Friday. Wisconsin. A pick 'em
1: at Iowa. Yeah, this is a tricky game because both teams are playing well. Both teams look pretty strong. Uh, but I like Ethan Happ. I'll take Wisconsin. I'm also taking Wisconsin.
0: Okay. And now these are the games that are on Saturday. Gonzaga by three at Creighton.
1: Um, I think Gonzaga's due for Lettown. Give me Creighton at home. This game's on regular fox i believe which is a very nice exposure for this game um I, gonzaga's probably feeling their oats after that um after that went over duke and they're going to face a very good offensive team in creighton so i will take uh creighton plus three okay i'm gonna go in with gonzaga i just this is the kind of game where i think
0: about when the game starts am i happier that i have gonzaga giving three or creighton taking three and i think once the tip happens i'll be like oh i wish i had given the three um Marquette at home against Kansas State. Marquette is a one-point favorite.
1: Uh, give me Kansas State. Um, I didn't. Yeah, the
0: t- team he's... Bruce Weber over there. You're like
1: the big oh, yeah. Bruce Weber apologist. Yeah. Well, someone's got to be it.
0: I thought I was him until uh, until a few minutes ago. I'm going with Marquette. It feels like they're they're due for a good shooting performance. They had a good shooting half against Kansas, and then the next three halves they weren't very good. They found something maybe. Um, when they removed Theo John and they put in Ed Morrow Jr. against Louisville and ended up winning in overtime. Uh, moving on, m- back to the Big Ten. Michigan, five-point favorite at home against Purdue. Uh, I
1: like Michigan. I think this is... this. I do like this Big Ten kind of teaser of the season where they play these two games in December. I know it's untraditional, uh, but I like Michigan in this game. I think they're playing really well. Um, we'll see, though. It could be tricky coming off the North Carolina game, but I like Michigan.
0: Yeah, I think I like Michigan to win. I'm gonna take Purdue with the points. I, it just feels like they can probably score against Michigan as well as any team. They've seen them before. They've seen this really top defense before, and, and I, I take them. I pick them to take. A, I pick them to keep it close. Another game that intrigues me is Houston at home against Oregon. Houston favored by one. The, the um, Cougars have really played well this year, but they haven't played anyone. This is their first real test against Oregon.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I like Oregon. Ball, ball.
0: I'm going with Houston. Kelvin Sampson knows how to coach. Uh, it's a long flight from Oregon for the uh, the Ducks, and that's a young team, so I'm going to go with Houston. Back with Nevada again. Nevada at USC. Uh, USC, uh, Nevada favored by seven
1: at the Trojans. Yeah, these are two games that are going to have a very big impact on Nevada's tournament resume and seeding, and i like them to win uh, at USC.
0: I'm going to take USC to cover. It feels like a game USC loses close. It's a couple of them I've picked now with USC and Purdue losing close but I'm going to take uh, the points there. Uh, moving on, we're going to skip that game, and we're going to move to uh, NC State. Uh, skip that game. Sorry, Sorry NC State people. Um, okay, four more games on Saturday. Butler favored by three at St. Louis. Butler's already lost to an A-10 team in Dayton, and, C- and St. Louis has already defeated a, a Big East team in Seton Hall. What do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, give me St. Louis plus three. Um, Seton Hall is obviously pretty good. Uh, So that's a good win, so I'll take St. Louis.
0: I'm going to go with Butler. Um, Butler really seemed to put it together uh, late in that um, battle for Atlantis. Um, I think that their experience with Kamara Baldwin especially, with McDermott, with uh, Paul Jorgensen, um, I I like them on the road against the more talented, more athletic St. Louis team. I'll probably regret that, though. Uh, December 1st, I'm going to be in Indiana, but not at Indiana, for the Indiana-Northwestern game. Indiana favored by seven at home against the Wildcats.
1: Uh, give me Indiana. I think they'll be coming off a loss against Duke. I think they'll sign a prove, and I think they'll take care of seven points against Northwestern at home.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this game, but I'm with Indiana. Um, nice. I, I, I can see it going either way. Um, seven points seems like a lot, but Indiana in their first conference home game. Let's go with the Hoosiers. Providence by nine at home against Rhode Island. Rhode Island beat Providence for the first time since uh, Keno Davis was the coach. Actually, it might have been since Tim Welsh was the coach um, last year, but now they're going on the road to Providence, and URI coming off a loss to Stony Brook.
1: Uh, give me Providence. I don't really think Rhode Island's that good this year, and I think Providence uh, is well-coached and will win this game by more than nine.
0: It'd be nice th- if they could do it. It seems that the net is really favoring some point-margin teams, so it'd be nice if Providence could blow out Rhode Island. I think it's a rivalry game. It'll stay close, and the Friars will let you win, but by less than nine. And finally... The Kansas Jayhawks are hosting Stanford, favored by 19 at Fog Allen.
1: Give me Stanford plus 19. Uh, we've already seen Kansas play as big favorites to teams from smaller conferences and not cover. And I know Stanford's pretty awful, but I think they get to 19 at uh, at Allen Fieldhouse. Okay, that's a lot of picks. Yeah. Give,
0: we've given you our top 25 picks, we've given you our big, East, big Ten ACC Challenge picks, and we've given you like, I don't know, what is this, 10 or 12 Against the spread, so I think we've you probably picked out. As a, but there are a lot of good games this week. There's the yeah. there's the challenge. There's all these good games coming up. So if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, we're at Double Bonus Pod. Um, our website is Double Bonus Pod at uh, com, not atcom dot com. Subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Music. Uh, we do have five five star reviews on uh, iTunes right now. So please Humble continue break. that. Yeah, I mean five is a very small amount, but it's better than five one star reviews um so please do support us reach out by email at double bonus pod at gmail.com uh and yeah until we see you again tom where will you be between now and then i'll be in indy this weekend where are you gonna be
1: uh i will be in atlanta this weekend Ooh, atlanta yeah. big okay. football game there on saturday
0: oh yeah <laughs> georgia versus alabama yeah, yeah. And I'll be at the Big Ten Championship between Northwestern and Ohio State on Saturday that night. That would be a
1: pretty bad basketball game, by the way, George alabama Not, not good.
0: <laughs> yeah. not. Uh, but you would get Avery Johnson versus um, Tom Crean. So you get yeah. some, uh, some weird voices. At least. Yeah. On, on that note, uh, enjoy the college basketball, and we'll see you next week.